Hi, my name's Alex Kelly, co-founder of Bright Flag, and this is In-House Outliers, a podcast where I interview those who've taken unconventional paths and challenged conventional notions of how in-house legal should operate. I'm joined today on the podcast by Mathilde Montanari. Mathilde is Legal Operations Officer at TomTom and one of the growing number of in-house lawyers now building successful careers in legal ops. Mathilde, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Alex. Thank you for hosting me. Well, Mathilde, let's start at the beginning. Where did you grow up? So my family is from Pisa, so I was born in Pisa. And my father back then was working for Peroni. So when I was very little, we moved to, to Roma. And there is actually where I've been raised. So I did my high school and my first year of university in Roma. A beautiful part of Italy. And I'm, I also happen to be a, a big fan of Peroni. It is a, a wonderful <laughs> beer for anyone who isn't familiar with it. You decided to study law then at the University of, of Pisa, going back to where you grew up. What led you to deciding to study law? Yes, yeah, so I started my first university in actually in Roma. I soon realized that wasn't really the experience I was looking for. Everyone was always asking me, why did you move from Roma? But Rome is a very big city and the university is quite, yeah, in terms of number is quite significant. Huh? So I think I was looking for a more personalized experience in terms of university. And I knew, like, thanks to my parents that they both studied in Pisa, that the class was smaller. And uh, in general, it's a university city. So everything is about university. So I decided to do my, yeah, my university, like my law studies in, in Pisa. And I remember the, actually the idea of like studying law came from a friend of our family. She was back then the GC at Philip Morris. And I remember she was telling me some of the episodes of things that are happening at work. And I was like, oh, that's actually super interesting. And it seems a very international environment. So I was like, I can definitely do law. So that's how I was like, I got into law studies. That, that's really interesting, Matilda. And what was your first job then when you finished your law studies at University of Pisa? During my studies, I did a year as part of the Erasmus program in Nantes, and that was the last year of University of Studies. So I really wanted to find a way to stay a bit longer in France, just to improve my language and get a bit of experience. So I was open to work a bit everywhere. I knew I have a bit of knowledge in commercial and like contract negotiation. So I found this job as a sourcing intern is Marfita Kappa which is a packaging solution. They produce uh, yeah, carbon boxes for a bit of everything, like pizza boxes, bags, everything. Uh, and there I was working yeah, with the sourcing team. Uh, I remember I was doing a lot of data analysis and I actually built the first database of the preferred supplier for the sourcing team uh, back then. So I think my legal operations <laughs> career started back then already. But it was, yeah, it wasn't really related to law per se. I was working with the procurement team and definitely using a bit of knowledge in contract that I have, but it was mostly for sourcing purposes. Yeah. And it's incredibly valuable to get that kind of more direct exposure in a business at an early stage. So Mathilde, you then returned to Italy and were working in a law firm for a period of time. Is that correct? Yes. So right after I finished my studies, I really didn't know what I really wanted to do. So obviously the next more natural step was to work in a law firm and get my bar qualification. So I've been working for some time in a law firm, but I soon realized again that that wasn't really what I was looking for. 
I really wanted to work in a more international environment, more also with the national business. So, so I, yeah, a couple of years after being a law firm, so I've decided to do my master in the Netherlands. And that's how I ended up actually in Amsterdam. And when you think back now, Matilda, on that period of time in your career as a lawyer just coming out of law school, were there skills that you developed or experience that you got during that time working in the law firm that have stood to you subsequently? Well, definitely. I think the structure, I think like in general legal studies and the legal legal profession, it is very structured. I think most of my approach to problem solving actually comes from my legal background and also I think questioning I think a lawyer is a very good to to question everything and to review and question any process or anything that that, that is in place so, so I think that's also what really helps when you're doing legal operations not any process not anything should be given for granted but you always like we question from scratch from the beginning and I think that comes from studying law and being working in a law firms I think that's so true that critical eye to approach things from first principles to ensure they make sense, I think, can add a huge amount of value, as you highlighted, the legal operations role as much as in an in-house legal role. I'm curious to understand that you mentioned that you were in the Netherlands doing a master's. What attracted you to joining the legal team then at MessageBird? Yeah, so I've done my master in international European business law. And my focus was actually on competition law and technology. So I wrote my thesis on breaking up the tech giants in the competition law context. So I always been passionate about technologies. And I think uh, I had this idea that I really wanted to work for a tech startup because, again, I really didn't know what position I was looking for, but I had an idea of the company where I wanted to be. So I was really focusing most, mostly my attention not on the positions, but on the type of companies that I wanted to join. And the legal team, and also I've always been thinking that when you want to get to start to know a company, you should always, as a lawyer, you should always be start from contracts. So it's where actually you learn the most. You learn most about the product, you learn most about the commercial approach, the pricing, everything. So I saw that they were looking for a commercial counsel. And so then I gave it a chance and I was like, yeah, why not join? And yeah, I ended up staying for three years or so quite some time. I think that's such a great observation that it's a great entry point to get a good understanding of a business and a fast-growing technology business in particular working in contracting. What were your initial responsibilities then in in the role? So yes, I was working as legal commercial counsel, so I was mostly negotiating contracts and drafting contracts, both from the supplier side and the customer side. And there also where I started, let's say, the first legal operations project. I had a GC back then, which was really ahead um, with his approach to legal operations. And it, it, almost immediately, you realized that uh, we weren't enough <laughs> for the amount of workload and in terms of capacity for the amount of workload that we had. So we really soon realized that we had to have some sort of like a commission in place, especially from certain contracts such as prior side which were very very standard so there is where actually we look to implement a contract automation platform software and that was my very first uh, project in legal operations I think I was owning the entire implementation for the, the CLM back then. 
So you were wearing two hats, even in that in-house council role, you were getting a very early exposure to legal operations. And a very common theme on the podcast is that visionary forward-thinking general counsel who understands that the legal department needs to do more with limited resources, needs to find ways to drive automation and more effective processes. And how did your role then evolve over your two years with the company? I was like, initially, I was still 70% focused on the commercial side, at least in the first year and a half. But then uh, in the second half of my stay in MessageBird, like actually 60-70% was focused on legal operations. So contract implementation was my very first project. But then we realized that there were so many processes that we could improve improve and optimize. So yeah, I was still split between the two roles, but mostly I was already doing legal operations. And was there an aha moment, Mathilde, when you decided you wanted to kind of permanently move into a career fully focused on legal operations? Yeah, so towards the end, I realized that I was very passionate that I, and I was actually enjoying it. And I kind of felt, okay, I found actually what I, I really like. Always my friends, they like to tell that I'm organizing chaos. I really like to bring order where it, where it doesn't exist. So, and I'm good at that. So it's like, I think I should be, yeah, trying to to focus fully on this and see where we will be the next step. Actually, Booking.com was looking for legal operations specialist in spend management. And there was like, okay, maybe that's the right next step and fully dedicated to legal operations. It's interesting because very often legal operations professionals at a kind of an early stage in their career have a kind of specific point of entry where they already have a level of kind of subject matter expertise in a particular area, uh, such as yourself, who was obviously a commercial contracts lawyer, understood that process, took on a CLM project very successfully at MessageBird. But then, as you say, you joined Booking.com in a a kind of a fully dedicated legal operations role where the primary focus was legal spend management. Had you had any exposure to kind of legal spend management prior to joining (laughs) Booking.com? It's a good good question. I I did not. uh, In MessageBird, I think spend management wasn't a priority. It was a scale up back then. So budgeting for the legal team and spend management wasn't indeed that's still a topic. So when I joined Booking, I think this was the biggest challenge. I need to understand the finance team, the finance language, what actually means for having a budget, what actually means having a budget specifically for the legal team, how to communicate with the finance team, how to communicate with the vendors. So I think this indeed I had did not have any experience and it was indeed initially at least in the first six months the biggest challenge and and those are really exciting opportunities obviously in your career to kind of broaden your skill set build that core 12 clock competencies and get that exposure did you have any mentors that you learned from in the legal ops space at that kind of critical stage when you Um, joined booking.com no, I agree. I agree. With you. I think indeed, going back to the exciting thing, this is actually what is exciting about legal operations. So you get a chance to learn things that you, I think as a lawyer, you would never expect to learn, at least during my studies, I never expected to work that closely with the, on financial planning. So I think indeed that was the most exciting approach. As in terms of mentors, I think what my manager booking, Mipe, she is incredible. She had previous knowledge and she's definitely was providing a lot of guidance and sharing a lot of her uh, yeah, previous experience. 
and the legal relations community is very connected. So you can always find different resources. You can always ask colleagues or people that work in the environment. Uh, and everyone is always very available. Everyone is very like happy to jump on a call. But I remember when I initially joined Booking a couple of years ago, I was literally typing uh, legal operations resources. I remember there were the books of like Lu- Lucy Basley. And I also remember I scheduled a call with her and I got some guidance from her side and she was very, very supportive. Lucy is, uh, is somebody I know well and has been, indeed been on the podcast herself and I, one of the most impactful mentors in the community who's always willing yeah. to give back her time. And Jamie Ingles, who leads legal operations at Stripe, has spoken on the podcast as well about the impact Lucy made in her career. So it's fantastic that you had that opportunity to learn directly from her as well. And so during that time you were with Booking.com, what were the kind of core things that yourself and Mipe were focused on in your legal spend strategy? So as you mentioned, yeah, I was like specializing for spend management. So when I joined Booking, there was, let's say, a first initial phase where we really have to try to bring there for managing vendors. The legal team has over 200 different vendors. So it was really like trying to build a directory of vendors, trying to understand which were our preferred vendors, our preferred law firms. And then we so, soon implemented a strategy to implement an e-billing platform, obviously, because it, it would have been very impactful and valuable for the legal team. Also, the legal team back then has never been working with budgets before. So we introduced the, the concept of having a budget and how to track your spend and the importance of tracking and the impact it can have in tracking your spend. And they're obviously incredibly high impact initiatives. We're here at Bright Flag, very passionate about all things financial management as it relates to the legal department. Kevin Cohen, our chief customer officer, is running a fantastic series, Legal Ops 101 at the moment, where we're focusing on building the knowledge around the importance of understanding core financial concepts like the role of FP&A, the role of accruals accounting and how it relates to legal operations in the legal department. And as you highlighted, implementing effective kind of budgeting processes within the legal team is, is one of the most impactful things you can do in driving greater predictability, giving yourselves better forecasting bringing the legal department closer to finance in how they expect every function within the business to operate. So a great exposure to get, Matilde, and great projects to be involved with, I'm sure. You're now leading legal operations at TomTom. Can you maybe tell us a little bit about TomTom and the structure of the legal team? Yes. So I joined SA in TomTom a couple of months ago. The legal team at TomTom is the general counsel, Simon, is leading the legal team at TomTom and it's structured, it has five different teams, the business, commercial team, corporate, IP compliance, and the new legal operations, which um, is only me, has about 30 lawyers right now, but it's very exciting. And also, again, the general counsel, Simon, is very supportive and I think you really understand the value of having a fully dedicated position focusing on legal operations. And Matilde, incredibly exciting opportunity, I'm sure, to build a legal operations function from the ground up, take on board all of your learnings from your career through from your law firm time to MessageBird to Booking.com and apply them at TomTom. I'd be interested to understand, I know you're only a few months into the role, but how are you going about developing your legal operations strategy? 
Yes, I've been moving, let's say, in parallel. I obviously look at the resources available. I think the clock competencies, as you, as you mentioned before, are a good starting point, taking those and really familiarizing with the different stages and try to see where your department is standing for each of the core competencies is actually a good start. There is always to take into account that when you join, let's say, quite advanced stage of the legal team, there will be already some, some projects which will be in place. So I think my approach was really to look at where will be my strategy, where I think we should be and how we want to be in the next three years. And then also speaking with the people, trying to understand where we can bring immediate value, which are the like projects that we can really like look and implement immediately and bring value also to like make understand what is the value of the legal operations and how can I can support the legal operations. So it was a mix of different initiatives. I've been speaking a lot with the team and really trying to understand their challenges. And then I build up everything in the own Tom Tom strategy and roadmap for the next three years in terms of legal operations, projects, technology, implementation and people and processes. And as you've highlighted, again, you're fortunate that you have a forward-thinking general counsel who is seeing legal operations as one of the key pillars of the legal department. How are you thinking about kind of building relationships with those other senior members of the legal team as you kind of build out that strategy? I think it's really about some sort of care job. I've been having given the opportunity, obviously, to arrange several sessions with each of them where... I can show the different projects, which are the actual impact that we can bring together and which are the different projects that I could be supporting. But I think is indeed, it's a continuous work of PR, really trying to first familiarize with the position of a legal operations, because when you enter on a team which never had or never got in touch with legal ops, I think there is a first phase to try to understand what are my responsibilities, which are the things I can, which again, which are the core functions and competencies and area where I can focus on and I can support you. And then really continuously in the different projects, uh, showing the value and, and the impact that I can bring. I think that's the first phase of when joining a team, a legal team. I think that's so true that the combination of listening and understanding what their key challenges are, but equally delivering value and demonstrating the value of legal operations is one of the most effective ways to get buy-in, get support for subsequent initiatives. And obviously your prior experience as a lawyer is very helpful, I imagine, in many ways in the level of understanding and empathy you have for the work that the legal team are doing. I'm curious to understand, in what ways do you think that previous experience as a lawyer has been most helpful to you now as a, a legal ops leader? And definitely in certain areas like contractor, being myself a legal commercial counsel, I do think I understand really well which are the challenges and the struggle and the frustration that a commercial team might have and how can these be addressed by not only implementing a contract mission, but also trainings of sales team, uh, familiarizing like the sales team to owning their processes. So there is a lot that obviously I can bring in terms of just being a legal counsel myself. And also I think the way uh, the legal team, I think they really speak and they're very delicate sometimes in the way they have to be approached. So I think like in terms of like stakeholder management, uh, being a lawyer myself, I do understand 
where indeed again the challenges and the frustration are coming from so I think my previous experience has been very helpful and also again knowing that I was a legal counsel I think that also builds a bit more trust for each different project. I couldn't agree with you more having that empathy having that understanding definitely helps hit the ground running in building that trusting relationship. But as you've already highlighted, one of the exciting things about legal ops is there's so much of it that is new as you come to it from a legal background. And what are your thoughts about what the steepest learning curve has been for you in the role? What are the things you found most challenging in developing? Yes, I think obviously I moved to having to focus so mostly when I was in message bird and then booking first in contract management, then spend management. But as we said, the, the core competency is actually 12. So there's so many areas of focus and there's some of the things and some of the projects uh, such as knowledge management, which I never approached before. So I think uh, it hasn't been a challenge, but I think it's important to make sure that you keep your mind uh, open that you always make sure you develop yourself, you speak with the community, you speak with your peers. So it's it's a constant learning, it's a constant changing, especially because it's a world dominated by technologies and technologies are constantly changing the way we approach to certain problems. So so I think it's not a challenge, but it's always important to remind ourselves to really take the time to get some learning and speak with the peers and speak with the community and see where in general the market is standing. I think that's such great advice and it, it is impossible for anybody coming into legal operations to be an expert immediately on, on all of the 12 areas of competency. And I think some of the things that stood out to me as I kind of reflect on my own kind of transition from lawyer to leading operations here at Bright Flag and building our business and indeed working with legal ops leaders like yourself is some of the kind of lawyer training can be slightly counterproductive in an operation setting, such as the kind of focus on complete perfection and the output in terms of a review of a contract or a piece of legal advice looking for 100% perfection maybe isn't necessarily the best approach in leading legal operations where getting to 80% success might be a fantastic outcome rather than trying to solve for every format of contract or capture 100% of something through a process. I'm not sure, have you had any experiences of that, Matilda, having to have that adjustment in mindset? Definitely. I think especially when I was in booking, the scale of the work, as I mentioned, was more than 200 vendors. It was a very big team. So when you work at that scale, you really have to understand that, um, yeah, the minimum value product. You have to understand what it's good to deliver now and what is the value they can bring. And then having that as a pilot and a work in progress to then deliver a better product later. So I think actually that's a very big like shift in the mindset, if I think. The legal education and the legal studies you know like as a lawyer you always have to deliver things at perfection i think as legal operations you really have to start thinking from more on on, on the user side and the business side like what can i deliver now that can bring immediate value and immediate impact and make the life of the legal team slightly easier and then what we can learn from these and make a better approach in a few months i think that's such good advice and i think Something else that I've kind of observed and experienced myself firsthand is I think lawyers are very often used to having 10, 15, 20 active matters that they're working on at any one time on their desk. But in my experience, and it's a key principle of kind of agile software development is you kind of focusing on less initiatives and doing them to a 
in a more focused way can often lead to greater success and kind of doing three things well rather than trying to do 20 things suboptimally is often a better approach. And have you had any experience of that, Mathilde, in having to kind of prioritize the most impactful initiatives rather than take on every single suggestion coming from the legal team or or area you know that could be improved? Yeah, definitely. That's a very good point, especially when delivering projects or implementing a new project. So being service delivered, you always want to get feedback and you always want to get inputs. There is obviously different with getting constant feedback. I think that's never helpful. But I do like to organize actually certain sessions, specific moments where you can gather the feedback, have an open discussion around uh, what you can improve and how you can improve and then prioritize those improvements. So definitely, yeah, having uh, having priorities, it's very important. Even the strategy that I was mentioning before for the legal team now, there are like obviously big projects that we want to do and we want to implement and we want to do ASAP as always. But they're also like those tiny things that legal operations, building a dashboard, providing more visibility into our spend, providing more visibility on which our vendor, how we're spending our money. These are the tiny things that can be achieved more quickly, but they do have a massive impact. And I think it's always like important to balance out between those big projects and those tiny things that can have an immediate impact. I think that's so true. And I think certainly in my experience, Getting that kind of high level visibility, as you highlighted on spend, how much are we spending within each practice area, with each vendor, within each region, can start to inform a lot of other strategic decisions about opportunities to consolidate work or insource more work and build a business case for an additional hire or indeed automate segments of certain processes. There's value in kind of getting quick wins, but there's also value in getting that visibility to inform everything else that you're trying to do as well. And I'm curious to understand then, are there any kind of resources you find particularly useful for developing your legal ops skill set or kind of delving in into a particular competency? Yeah, definitely. Clock is massive and ACC are massive resources. I, again, I think uh, experience when, especially in those type of projects, uh, is the biggest knowledge. So if you have been really been implementing and doing a specific project, really implementing a specific software, I think so having to speak with peers, it really helped me. But also, you know, going above legal operations. I mean, eventually any any operations like projects is very similar. So having also resources which are above like legal operations and that can always be useful really helpful resources out there as you highlighted within the clock community within the acc legal operations community that can help frame how others have approached these challenges and build that knowledge base as you take on different initiatives and and matilda is there any advice that you'd give to any lawyers out there who might be listening who are considering a, a change in direction maybe moving into legal operations having maybe enjoyed being involved in projects within their own legal teams or law firms up to date Definitely. I do think that, I mean, nowadays, like the legal counsel position has completely changed. I think legal counsel nowadays, they are not purely lawyer. I think most of the legal counsel have developed like different skills, which are from like, yeah, data analytics, like project management, without even realizing sometimes. But I do think that most of the legal counsel have already developed a new set skill, a skill set uh, that can support them 
in different projects uh, from purely being legal counsel or in different positions. So I think my advice is that if you are curious, if you really like working in other projects uh, and you want to get a chance to do something else on the side of your day-to-day legal counsel responsibilities, I think legal operations, it gives you a chance so to, to explore new areas and new projects which you might not have a chance if you just keep doing like legal counsel responsibility. So I think getting a chance to do some smaller projects, even looking at the processes and just like implementing process and trainings, uh, even smaller things, uh, it's a good start. And it's always like, yeah, a bit of fair share. And it gives you um, a site to realize whether you legal operations might be a good fit for you or not. That's such great advice. And Presumably one of the things, Mathilde, for you as well is the kind of the global nature of the role is attractive, that you're not pigeonholed as a lawyer focusing on Dutch law contracts or Italian law contracts, that you're getting a kind of, as a leading legal ops, you're getting a a global exposure to the the legal function and the business as a whole. Yeah, and definitely one of the most attractive things. I think a set of stakeholders that you get to work with is so diverse and so different that you get to work with the AT team, procurement, finance, the business side. So it's so interesting that if, if you want to have different view of, the, of your own business, of your own company, I think it's very good. Also, it's a good start. Absolutely. An, exi- an exciting time in the industry. I think, as you've highlighted from your own career journey so far, there's just more and more general counsel who are forward thinking, understand the value of the role in helping them drive the kind of transformation and scaling of legal service delivery in the most effective way. And that's leading to the role becoming more prevalent globally and certainly in for EMEA headquartered organizations like those that you've had the luck to work within. So definitely an exciting time and one where there are many opportunities in the space. Final question for me, Mathilde, unrelated to the world of legal and legal operations. What do you enjoy doing in your spare time? So I was a synchronized swimmer. So I do enjoy sports, running, swimming, and any type of trainings. I do have, in the next couple of weeks, the Amsterdam swimming competition coming up, which is like three kilometers in the Amsterdam canals. I think trainings, uh, swimming, at these are, I love in my spare time. And also I have a dog, so 50% of my time, my spare time is there as well. Well, I think you're the first synchronized swimmer we've had on the podcast. I was actually on holidays with our two daughters last week, and we are trying and failing to teach our three-year-old daughter to swim with the pandemic. All of the swimming pools in Ireland have been closed. So I might have to pick your brain again on some tips for how to get, <laughs> how to start. I would love to. I love yeah. to. Yeah, absolutely. She likes being in the water, but she's not really getting some of the key concepts just yet. I also heard through the grapevine, excuse the pun, that despite your proud Italian heritage, you favor French wine. Is that correct? Yes, correct. Correct. French wine and and French food, I have to admit. And everyone, I always get like, yeah, shock. The face that people give me when I say so, it's like insane. I think between French and Italian cuisine and wine, you, you can't really go wrong with either. So presumably living where you are, you're getting some good exposure to French wines and cuisine as well. Yeah. Yeah. I'm saying that is actually, yeah. In, in terms of right, uh, restaurants, I mean, nothing is missing. Yeah? 
Yeah, it's fantastic. A fantastic place to live. Well, Mathilde, thank you so much for being so generous with your time. I really, really enjoyed our conversation. I think a great example of that career trajectory and opportunity for experienced lawyers to transition into legal operations and progress very quickly into leadership roles, taking on huge responsibilities. And congratulations on all your success so far. And excited to see what you do next at TomTom. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Alex. And again, such a great initiative and happy, happy I could join. Fantastic. Thanks, Mathilde. I'm Alex Kelly, host of the In-House Outliers podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Brightflag, an AI-powered legal operations platform where corporate legal departments gain visibility into operations, maximize productivity, and engage with outside counsel strategically. If you like this episode, then you can find more information in our show notes. If you want to hear more, then you can also find more episodes at brightflag.com forward slash legal hyphen operations hyphen podcast. Thanks again for listening to the In-House Outliers podcast. We'll see you again next time.